Well, hello, church. Today, we're continuing our series, Good News. Good news, those two words, don't they land on our hearts like a cup of ice cold water on a hot summer day? Good news. It's both refreshing to hear and desperately needed because we're living through a pandemic and we've never been here before. We're all having to adjust to new norms in our lives. And with it has come more stress and losses and anxieties. More than ever, we are in need of good news to navigate the times that we're living in. And so this past month, we've been exploring the greatest news of all, the good news of Jesus Christ and the blessings that we have in Him. Over the past weeks, we've discussed how the love of God makes us more than conquerors, how God is our provider that we can trust in, how Jesus is the hope that is the anchor of our souls. And today, we are going to take a closer look at the peace of God, what it looks like to live in the enduring, unshakable, radical peace that God has for each and every one of us. And I think it's no shock to any of us that our world is in need of some real peace. I want us to just hear, I'm, I'm gonna read a couple different reports and studies that have recently been done in our world. A recent report by the Kaiser Family Foundation found that in a mid-March poll, 32% of people said that worry and stress about the coronavirus had a negative impact on their mental health. And two weeks later in late March, they were polled again and that number had risen to 45% and it continues to rise. A report released in late April from the UK's Office of National Statistics showed that four out of five adults in the UK were very or somewhat worried about COVID-19, with the majority saying it was affecting their well-being, while almost half said that they were experiencing high levels of anxiety. And back here in the States, a report was released late April from an American pharmacy company, Express Scripts, that suggested that the use of mental health medications in the U.S. had shot up significantly since the pandemic began, with over 34% increase in people filling prescriptions for anti-anxiety drugs. The truth is that we don't need more numbers and more headlines, more stories like these to tell us what we already know that our world is hungry for not only real hope, but also real peace. I mean, I can tell you that over the last couple of months, I've felt the effect on my own soul, you know, and I'm sure I'm not alone. You know, we, we've all had to make some big adjustments and try to do the best we can to navigate this as we go. You know, for many of us, our home lives have dramatically changed. For some of us, our workload has drastically increased. For some of us, so have our financial stresses. You know, many of us, we've, we felt lonely, disappointed, frustrated, exhausted, tired, worried, uncertain, you know, just feeling all of the feels. And so when we talk about peace at a time like this, it could almost feel like a foreign concept, you know, like a like a, a fairy tale. It sounds wonderful, but is wildly untrue to the reality that we're living in. In the Gospels, after Jesus died and was buried, his closest disciples were, well, probably feeling all the feels as well, you know. They, they must have felt as if their world had crumbled, all their hope had been lost, and were probably uncertain as to whether or not they'd ever feel normal again. You know, they were experiencing their dark night of the soul. 
and the fears about their future were colossal. And it was in this state, in this bleak and uncertain state, that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, shows up for them. He arrives at the scene, and in John 20, 19, we read his very first words to his disciples post-resurrection. We can read together, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, and he stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you, peace. In the midst of their darkness, their grief, their loss, their worry, their uncertainty, Jesus arrived and he gave them peace. And it's the same peace that Jesus offers to you and I as well today. This is good news. And I'm telling you, it's about to get even better. Because if we're not careful, we could read John 20, 19 and kind of just assume that when Jesus says the word peace, that it's kind of like him, I don't know, like showing up and patting his friends on the back and saying, hey guys, don't worry, I'm here, it's gonna be okay. And, and that would be a gross underestimation of the word that is used here. Peace here, it, it, it was more than just words of comfort in distress. And it meant more than just an absence of conflict, which is how we often use the word peace in modern times. But in the Bible, oh, peace had such a, a more significant meaning. It, it still does. And the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace was shalom. And in the New Testament, the, the Greek equivalent would be irene. And the word shalom, in its simplest form, it means complete whole. So this is so much more than just not having drama in our lives. It's about being whole, about being complete. Like, for example, here's this puzzle. I happen to love puzzles, and I'm having a lot of time these days to do puzzles. And uh, this is not by any means a whole puzzle, but it's a section of the puzzle. If I were to bring the whole puzzle, it would fill up this whole table. So let's just imagine that this puzzle right here is complete. It's whole, right? All the pieces are in place. We could actually say that this puzzle is experiencing shalom, that it's in a state of shalom, right? Now, if I were to, I don't know, take one of these pieces here like this, right? If I take this piece from this puzzle, now not only are some personalities right now just like cringing over this, they're like, please just, just put the piece back and restore order to the chaos. I totally get it. I am one of those personalities. But also by doing this, I can no longer describe this puzzle as experiencing shalom. It's no longer in a state of shalom. Why? Because something's missing. It's no longer complete. It's no longer whole. Now, I want us to imagine for a second that we are this puzzle, okay? I know, just go with me. Uh, we, we are this puzzle here. There's many pieces. There's many parts. We're complex. We have lots of needs. We have lots of desires. We have a lot going on every day in our mind and our attitudes and our actions, right? This is us. We are this puzzle, okay? Now, God desires for us to have a whole soul, to, to have a whole well-being, right? And he desires for us to live in a state of shalom, but all too often, what happens? Well, fear creeps in. Real life happens and we deal with losses and anxieties and worries and frustrations and, and we're uncertain about the future and what happens? Well, what should be a state of shalom for us, what could be a state of wholeness for us, now suddenly things like fear and anxiety are robbing us of our shalom. 
Now, what does Jesus do when he says, I offer you peace? He's not just saying, hey, I wanna take drama away from your life. He's not just saying, hey, I want you to experience a momentary, I don't know, just relief from anxiety. No, he's saying, I see what fear has stolen from you. I see what anxiety has taken from you. I understand what worry and doubt and weariness have robbed you of, and I am here to restore your soul. I am here to bring back shalom to your life. I'm here to make you whole which is amazing because it means even in the brokenness around us, we can still experience wholeness. No matter what is going on, no matter what situations we find ourselves, we can live at peace. We can live whole and complete. Why? Because this is what Jesus offers us. This is why the language in in Psalm 23 is is so magnificent and, and, and so specific to this. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Did you hear that? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here the psalmist is saying, God, you restore my soul. God, you make me whole and complete. Jesus, this is what you do. Listen, I love this. The psalmist here is saying in Psalm 23 that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even then I can be in a state of shalom. I can be whole. This is amazing. This is good news that just keeps getting better. Throughout scripture, we see this theme that that God offers this kind of peace to us. You know, in Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, he he prophesied of Jesus, the Messiah. And the language that he used about Jesus is is extraordinary. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, this is how the prophecy of Jesus is described. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Ah, and here, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. In other words, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He's the one who knows how to restore all things to our well-being. He knows how to make right what is wrong or missing in our soul. And the peace that he gives, it's a reign that has no end. You know, because of what Jesus has done for us, peace is now our inheritance. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, when his body was broken for us, in that moment, he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And now because of his sacrifice, now we can experience radical and eternal redemption and also restoration. Listen to how Colossians puts it in Colossians 1, 19 through 20. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And listen to how Ephesians 2, 14 describes Jesus. It says, for he himself is our peace. He is our peace. He's not just the prince of peace, but he is our very peace. He is the author of our shalom. He is the one who can restore our souls. So how? That becomes the question, doesn't it? In the times that we're living in, In these uncertain and unprecedented days and times, how can we actually have this kind of wholeness in our soul and in our well-being? How how can we live in a state of shalom in the times that we're navigating? Well, with the remaining time that that we have here today, I I just wanna, wanna show us a few different ways, explore three simple ways that we can receive the peace of God, that we can allow 
God to restore what perhaps fear or worry or anxiety or uncertainty, frustration has stolen from us. One, we can receive the peace of God by becoming more and more aware of his presence. More and more aware of the fact that God, the Prince of Peace, the author of peace, our very peace is always with us. You know, one of my favorite accounts in the New Testament and the Gospels tells a story, it's actually found in the Gospel of Mark, where the disciples are traveling by boat and they get caught in a storm and it's a, it's a pretty big one. And uh, they start panicking, they're kind of overtaken with dread, they think they're about to drown, they have no idea what to do. That is, until they remember who is in the boat with them. This is where the story gets really interesting. Let's read together in Mark chapter four, starting in verse 35. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're gonna drown? Dramatic, right? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, there's no way around it. Jesus performed here a miracle. I mean, and he did it like a boss, like this is a mic drop moment. With his command, the storm ceased and the disciples witnessed this. It happened right in front of them. And in doing so, Jesus made a few things very clear to the disciples and made a few things clear to us as well, that even in the midst of uncertainty, that Jesus is with us and that he's the one that can calm what seems to be raging against us. I, I can't help but read this story and, uh, and, and relate to the disciples. You know, I think there's a number of times in my life, more often than I'd like to admit, when the circumstances of my life get a bit uncertain or choppy or the ride suddenly gets bumpy and what do I do? I respond like the disciples. I, I begin to, to freak out. I begin to panic. I begin to try to take control and solve the situation and it doesn't seem to be working. But if I look at the story, I see that Jesus and the disciples had very different reactions to the storm. While the disciples were filled with anxiety, Jesus was resting. I mean, they were freaking out and Jesus was enjoying nap time. Like, it could not be more different, these responses. It shows me that, you know, the things that cause me panic, the things that cause me worry, the things that cause me fear, they don't worry God. They don't worry Him. They don't freak him out. This is good news for us. I don't want to minimize the uncertainties that we might be facing right now, but I do want to encourage us. You know, the challenges we're facing in the workplace right now, the, the, the adjustments that we're making, the uncertainty about the future, the, the maybe tension that we might be experiencing in some relationships, the financial strain we might be going through right now, the loss we might be grappling with, yes, it's very real to us, but there is nothing, nothing in this world, nothing we could face that could ever cause God to be worried or afraid. He's in control. And because he's in our boat, because he's with us the same way that he was with the disciples, friends, he's with us today. That's why we can experience calm even in the storm. 
I think more than ever, God is trying to teach his people. I know he's showing me that I can have peace like Jesus did in the boat. I don't need to freak out like the disciples did. I can be at rest in my soul even in the midst of uncertain times. And that's possible when I remember who is in the boat with me. When I remember that Jesus is with me. Friends, Jesus is with us. God is with us. And because he's with us, we can experience peace regardless of the circumstances. Now, when I was four years old, I broke my collarbone. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. I, I remember I was um, dancing on my bed and jumping on my bed and I slipped and I fell. And as soon as I hit the floor, I heard a snap. And in my four-year-old life, I had never experienced pain quite like this. It was scary. It was frightening. It was overwhelming. And I began to scream and cry. I remember my mom rushing into my bedroom, my older sister as well. They tried to calm me down. They ended up, my mom driving me to the emergency room. And the whole drive, I just kept crying and crying in the car. I remember while we were waiting in the waiting room, I was just sobbing and crying. And, and, and everybody tried to calm me down. My mom tried to calm me down. My sister tried to calm me down. The nurses, the doctors that I saw, they all tried to calm me down, but nothing would work. I just kept crying and crying. I'll never forget the moment when I was sitting in the hospital room and they were talking about x-rays that I would need to have done. I just kept crying and crying. And then suddenly, the door to my hospital room flung open and my dad was standing there. My mom had called my dad as soon as it had happened and he was at work, but he, he left work. He rushed to the hospital and he met me there in that room. And as soon as I saw my father walk into my room, I stopped crying. Now, the reality is nothing had changed about my circumstances. I was still filled with a lot of pain. It was shocking. It was overwhelming, the whole experience. But the thing is, my dad had walked in the room. My dad, and as a four-year-old, my dad was the strongest person I knew, and he loved me, and he took care of me, and he protected me, and he represented absolute bravery. And when he walked in the room with him, he brought peace. Because he was with me, I knew that I would be okay. And I knew that all things would be well. Friends, what would it look like if we could just know that God, God the Father through Jesus Christ, he's walked into the room of our lives and he's never gonna leave. He's walked into the situation that might feel overwhelming to us. And because he is with us, then we can weather any storm. Because he's with us, we can overcome. Because he's with us, even when the circumstances aren't great, we can live in a state of shalom. What would it look like for us this week if we every day just took some time, maybe like three times during the day, just took a quick moment to remember that God is with us and to thank God for his presence? I don't know what that looks like. Maybe we would set, I don't know, an alarm clock on our phone. Uh, and maybe we would do this before and after every meal, but just three times a day, what would it look like to just pause and to say, you know, thank you, God. Thank you that you are with me. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill me with power and with love. I wonder what would happen to our well-being, to the health of our souls, if we took time to really seek to know and live in the awareness that God is with us and to rely on the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of peace. Number two, we receive the peace of God through prayer, through prayer. 
You know, Philippians chapter four, six through seven says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray about everything. You know, the greatest antidote to worry is actually prayer. Prayer. The directive here is pray about everything. Now, ironically enough, there's been plenty of times where the opposite of my life is true. I'm worrying about everything and I'm praying about nothing, right? <laughs> I'm sure I'm not alone. A couple months ago, a little over a couple months ago now, I was actually praying. I was talking to God about a few different areas of my life where I was personally just feeling stuck. And in that moment, I felt so challenged by the Holy Spirit. So clearly God said to me, hey, the reason that you aren't experiencing breakthrough in these areas the way that you want is because you're not really praying about them. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not praying about them? Like, I read my Bible every day in the morning and I pray. And so quickly the Holy Spirit responded and was like, yeah, but I'm not talking about checking a box every day. I'm talking about a way of life. I was like, okay, noted. And little did I know that a couple weeks later, my city and most of the world would be issuing stay-at-home orders. And suddenly I found myself with more, in some ways, time on my hands and less distractions and also a whole lot of new anxieties that I needed to pray through. And so the last couple of months, I've been more and more leaning into what it looks like for me to develop a rhythm of prayer in my everyday life, not just moments of prayer, but a lifestyle of prayer. Now, for me, that, that hasn't looked like hours uninterrupted of prayer. It's looked more like moments throughout the day, you know, intentional focus, small moments where it's less formal and more conversational than anything. It's, it's moments in, in the middle of my day when I'm working after a Zoom work call, I just take a moment and say, Jesus, okay, you know what we're planning here. We need your wisdom. We need your strategy. We need your blessing. God, will you lead? Uh, it, it's an, an interaction I have with somebody where afterwards I just pause and go, okay, God, how, how would you have me respond? How, how do you want me to, to uh, communicate uh, love and honor in this conversation? Sometimes it's, it's looked like just being honest about where I'm at and how I'm feeling about things. You know, uh, Jesus, I'm feeling some serious cabin fever today, so like help me, you know, or I'm feeling a little bit discouraged today. God, can you, can you renew strength and hope within me? And sometimes I'll think about somebody and I find myself even worrying about them. And then immediately I realize, oh, wait, I can be praying for them. It's these things that, that have kind of led me to see in some pretty incredible ways how God has responded to prayer. I've seen things move in my life through prayer, but the greatest miracle of all is the peace that I've experienced the last couple of months. You know, It's like a peace I've never known before. It's crazy to me, but it's true that during a pandemic, because of prayer, I'm actually experiencing more peace than ever before in my life. That's the power of prayer. So what would it look like, friend, for you to put Philippians 4 into practice? What would it look like for you to develop a rhythm of prayer in your everyday? I do know this, that as you do, and I can speak from firsthand experience, you will begin to experience, oh, like never before, a peace that is so good and so steady that it doesn't even make sense. And now final. Final thought here on how we can receive the peace of God. Yes, through being aware of God's presence. Yes, through prayer and also through taking control of our thinking. Now, I want us to look at the next two verses in Philippians 4, right after the ones that we read. And it says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace 
will be with you. And here's what I've come to realize about these thinking and my thoughts. It's, you know, the, the, the phrase, a train of thoughts is pretty accurate because once you start thinking down a certain path and you give it enough speed, like it's pretty hard to turn around, right? Our thinking, it, it affects ultimately more than even just our mood in a moment. It, it affects our choices and our outcomes and, and decisions in everyday life and how we show up for people and, and how we live each day. I was recently listening to a podcast episode from Brene Brown's podcast called Unlocking Us, and she was interviewing Dr. Mark Brackett, and uh, he's an expert. He's spent his life studying emotions, and he talked about this study that he did with a group of teachers. He split them into two groups, and one half he told the teachers to, for five minutes, think about a really bad day they had. And then he told the other half of teachers to spend five minutes thinking about a really great day they had. So for five minutes, they just meditated, one on a bad day, one on a good day. And then he had all the teachers grade the same paper. And lo and behold, the teachers who meditated on a great day, who thought about good things, who thought about what Philippians 4 talked about, they graded the papers one to two grades higher than those who had been thinking about a bad day. Wow. Okay, there is power in our thinking. And so here becomes the question for each of us. If we want to experience shalom in our lives, then what are we meditating on? Like, <laughs> what are we exposing ourselves to? What are we thinking about? What are we dwelling on? Well, what TV shows are we watching? Hello? Like, can we go there? Yes. What, what music are we listening to? What, what types of conversations are we really having with other people? It's important for us to be informed with what's happening in our world right now, but is the sheer amount of news and scrolling robbing us of our peace right now, robbing us of our shalom? If you're anything like me, then, then maybe it's time to do a little bit of spring cleaning, you know, to, to regroup and re-examine what we're choosing to dwell on and meditate on. Maybe this is time for each of us to begin to meditate on God's word some more, to meditate and dwell on his promises, on his goodness, on his faithfulness, on his love and his truth. Because what I know is that when we become intentional about here, when we become really intentional and take control of here, then we get to experience shalom here. You know, in John chapter 14, verse 27, this is Jesus' promise that he makes to the disciples, and it's the promise that he gives to us as well. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I pray that these words resonate with each of us today, and in the places where perhaps fear or worry or anxiety or stress or weariness have stolen shalom from us, that we would allow right where we are the Spirit of God allow the Prince of Peace, allow Jesus to restore our soul, to bring us back to the place of shalom, and to begin to walk with him in such a way where every day we're receiving the peace that God has for us.